Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Ukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message.
Tiff and I got a new exercise bike for our bedroom. Now, it's not a Peloton because we're not that cool, but we did download the Peloton app and it sits beautifully in our bedroom and full confession, my wife has used it every other day, but I have only sat on it once and it was when I put it together and sat on it to make sure that everything actually worked. I haven't used it or sat on it since. And so my wife is committed and, and I'm not committed. But here's the thing that I'm learning, that there is a difference when it comes to exercise, when it comes to being healthy, when it comes to being in good shape. There's a difference between looking for ways to do that and actually doing that. There's a difference between desiring to be healthy and in shape and actually taking steps and putting in the work to be healthy and in shape, right? And my wife is taking it serious and she's doing the work and I'm just admiring this new bike that we have in our room. And the thing that I'm learning is that this is also true in our relationships. Like we long to be in healthy and holy relationships, but the tension that we ride, the question we have to ask ourselves is am I willing to actually put in the work? Like I have all of these good intentions, but am I actually going to take tangible action to move in a healthy and holy and godly direction when it comes to my relationships or my future relationships. Like for me, I want healthy and holy relationships and, and I'm believing that, that you do as well. And I think the tension we ride in our relationships is we often will look for the right person so that we can be in a relationship with the right person. But if we're actually gonna take tangible action to move in a healthy and holy direction, I believe that we have to choose to become the right person. And that, take work, that takes work, that takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes investment. And that's why we're having this conversation, love, dates, and heartbreaks. This is what we're talking about over the next few weeks. That's the series we're in. And if you're new, if you're watching for the first time, or if you're listening for the first time, my name is Mike and I serve on the team here at Active. And our conviction is this, that you can actually move in a healthy and holy direction when you take the words and the work of Jesus very serious, because Jesus can make you better at life and Jesus can make you better in life. Specifically, Jesus can make you better at the relationships that you are doing in life. And last week we launched this conversation with that idea that if you decide to draw close, if you decide to stay near, you can learn from him and eventually you become like him. When you call him Lord, he changes your life. The words that Jesus shared were actually found in John chapter 15, starting in verse five. He said these words, that I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man or a woman remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. The idea is that if you stay close, if you lean in to the person and work of Jesus, if you learn from Jesus, you actually become the person that God created you to be. But if you don't, and you have the choice to not do that. Jesus says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So if you draw close to Jesus, there is this potential that you're gonna become more like Jesus. There's a purpose behind that. But if you don't, then what you become is based upon your choices and your perspective and your worldview. And Jesus says, 
that that type of life actually doesn't produce what you actually want. It doesn't produce the longings and the desires that you are longing and desiring for. It's like having an exercise bike in your bedroom and watching your spouse exercise and wishing that you were getting healthy, but you're just admiring the bike and you've sat on it once like me. Jesus invites us to take these things very serious because being healthy and holy and godly are actually on the other end of it. And it's not just about them the person we want to be in relationship with or the person we're in relationship with. It's not just about them choosing to become better. It's about us making decisions and putting in the hard work, putting in the time, not just being in, in, in thoughtful about it and, and, and saying, hey, I want to do this, but actually being intentional about it. And the reason why Jesus says that you start with me, that you choose to draw close and be with me is because he says, I want you to remain in my love to know that you are loved completely and unconditionally. And when you know that you're loved, it, it changes you, doesn't it? It opens your eyes to things that you've never seen before. It, it stirs your heart. And God does his best work when he starts with your heart. The thing that God wants from you, the one thing that God wants from you is, is your heart. He wants you to prioritize him. He wants you to place him first in your life. He wants all of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions. He wants your heart. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so God longs for you to treasure him because he treasures you. God longs for you to value him because he first valued you. And listen, when your heart is changing, it will change your life and it will change your relationship life. You will begin to move in the direction of becoming the person that God created you to be, the person worth looking for or the person worth staying for. And so today I wanna to talk about what that looks like in a very practical, tangible way. What it looks like in everyday, ordinary life. And we're gonna use the words that a man named Paul wrote in the Bible. Paul is fantastic. He is somebody that wrote most of the New Testament in the Bible. He had his life changed by Jesus. And what I love about what he does is he takes the words of Jesus and he teases them out. He takes them and places them in actual tangible life, everyday ordinary life, because he wanted to apply these words. He wanted to be obedient to Jesus. He wanted to become the person worth looking for and staying for. He wanted to tell a better story. And so what he does is he actually takes this idea that Jesus brings to us, this decision to remain in him, and he gives us what it looks like in everyday life. And the way that he does it in this letter that we're about to dive into, the way that he does it is he gives us a list. Now, if you're a type A, you probably really like lists, but, but here's the thing, most of us like lists, right? Because we like to check the boxes. When there when are things that we're accomplishing, we can look and go, look what I did today, I accomplished all of these things. Paul gives us a list, not so that we can check the boxes. Paul gives us a list so that we can understand where he's going. Because where Paul is going is he's giving us one principle, one thing that can help us to become the person worth looking for or the person worth staying for. But in, instead of just laying it out in front of us and saying, here it is, he actually helps us to understand it first. That's why there is a list. It's a list of characteristics. It's a list of behaviors. So I'm gonna read it to you. I wanna walk it through. I wanna explain it. But what I wanna to say to you is this. Don't get stuck 
on the list. If you feel bad about yourself or feel good about yourself, it's not a list to check the boxes and say, man, I'm terrible or man, I'm doing well. He's actually helping us to understand the one thing that can help us to become the person worth looking for and staying for. Does that make sense? You got it? So here's what I want you to do. If you have a Bible with you, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, would you turn to the letter of Colossians in the Bible, chapter three, and we'll start in verse one. And as you're turning there, here's what this letter is really all about. It's written to people in a city called Colossae, and they had fallen in love with Jesus, and they were brilliant, smart, intelligent people, much like you, right? And they wanted to learn how to follow Jesus in a very tangible way. They, they read the words of Jesus where he said, remain in my love, draw near to me. And so they wanted to know what that looked like in everyday life. And they had relationships like you and I have relationships. And so Paul writes them this letter and he gives them this incredible, incredible chapter, chapter three, and, and gives, us, gives them and us some incredible things to think about. And remember, he's leading us somewhere. So he gives us these lists of behaviors and characteristics, some good, some bad bad, we'll walk through them, but he's leading us to a decision that we can make, a principle that we can apply that helps us to become the person worth looking for and staying for. So he begins in Colossians 3, chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1, with these words. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, since you've trusted in Jesus, since you have a new life and you, you long for a better way, set your hearts on things above. So the idea here is that since God does his best work in our hearts, Paul says, let's talk about your heart because that's where change begins. That's where God does his work. And he says, what I want you to do is set your priority on things above, on the way of the kingdom of God. Set your heart on the way heaven works. Remember, Jesus actually encouraged his first followers to pray, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The idea is that we can bring what it's like up there, down, here. And Paul says it starts with where you set your priorities, where you set your heart. So set your heart because of Jesus on things above. And then he gives us the first steps in moving in that direction. He says this, verse three, for you died. He's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about a death of your way, of your priorities. You've decided when you've trusted in Jesus, you've decided to move in a different way. You've decided to trust in his way because it is the best way. It's where better stories are found. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. The idea is that you are more alive than you've ever been. Like you had life before, but you weren't alive. Like you were living, but you weren't actually living. Are you with me? Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. And those were his words. And what Paul is saying here is that your new way of life is so different than your old way of life. It's like it's gone, it's hidden, or it's dead. For those of you that are a little bit older that are watching or listening, do you remember your high school reunion, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year, and you went there and you saw them and they were the knucklehead in high school. They were the one that you avoided in high school. They were the one you didn't want to be around. They were always in trouble. They were always messing up, whatever it might be. And then you saw them at the reunion and they were a completely different person. Maybe they looked a little different. Maybe they sounded a little different. Maybe they had joy and you've never seen that before. And perhaps you were bold enough to say, who are you? Like, I remember you doing this, but how are you? That, it's, like, it's like your old way is hidden. It's like your, your old life has died. And Paul is saying, yeah, it's kind of like, 
It's kind of like that. It's kind of like you've changed. You've decided to move in a new direction. Something better is happening inside of you. And then he gives us the list of behaviors. And this first list is a very personal list and it's a very painful list. But he's talking about the things that actually start inside of us, the things that actually influence everything we do outside of us, that actually influence the people around us. And that's important because Jesus is always helping us to see what we do and what we say and how it affects the people around us. And often what we'll do with our struggles, our issues, our sin, is we'll personalize it. We'll talk to God, hey God, forgive me for this. And that's biblical and that's good. But what Jesus taught was that our sin just doesn't personally affect us, that it actually affects those around us. And when we hurt those around us, we actually hurt the heart of God. It's why Jesus invites us to love as he has loved us. This will help you to become the person worth looking for and staying for. So here's the list. Remember, don't check it off. Don't look at this and go, I'm doing good here. I'm not doing good here. He's leading us somewhere. So verse five, he says this. Put to death, therefore, in light of what I've just talked about, set your hearts on things above. You died. Your life is now hidden in Christ. You're, you're, you're being made new. You're moving in a new direction. You have hope again. You have life again. You can breathe again. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So the priorities that you had prior to following Jesus or discovering Jesus or trusting in Jesus. And then he gives us a list. He says, put to death sexual immorality. Now that's a big word, it's a biblical word, it's a churchy word, here's literally what it means. It's when you see that person or when they see you and all you see is what you can get from them. It's just a body that I can use and abuse and toss aside. It's just an image or a video on my phone. It's just a person that I'm never gonna meet again. It's just gonna be for one night and then we're gonna move on. I'm not gonna commit to them. I'm not gonna give them all of my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and all of my longings and desires. They're not gonna know any of that. I just want their body to satisfy my needs. That's what he's saying. Like, get rid of that. Like, that's not going to bring anybody hope and that's not gonna bring any sort of healing. Get rid of that. And then he says, Impurity, get rid of sexual immorality and impurity. And here's what he means by impurity. When you have impurity in your life, you will never experience intimacy. Intimacy isn't just about the physical nature of two bodies coming together. I intimacy is about being known fully and fully known and no judgment. And purity paves the way to intimacy. Impurity dismisses you, it removes you from that opportunity with another person, especially if you're getting into a romantic relationship. And Paul goes, get rid of it. It doesn't help you. It's not hopeful. It's not good. And he says, get rid of all lusts. When we see each other as a commodity or a product, evil desires, like that can be ambiguous, but he's saying anything that starts with any sort of language or behavior that doesn't lead with love. Get rid of greed which is idolatry. Like when we see idolatry, we might think of like little idols that people bow down to, right? And we would say, there's no idols today. But Paul says, no, no, there is. The idol is you. The idol is your stuff. The idol is your money. Anything that you prioritize that you think is a need, but actually is a greed, get rid of it. It feels, it feels personal, right? It feels like Paul's coming at us. Like we want to say, whoa, 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 Paul, like back the truck up, bro. Like, why are you coming at me with all of this? It's personal because the work of Jesus is personal. And Jesus took care of our sins 
personally. He, he died for your sin and for mine. These things, they, they can be dead and they can be gone. They are dead and are gone, and we don't have to have them in our life anymore. We can actually toss them into the grave. We don't have to live like this anymore because Jesus came to free us and forgive us. He doesn't stop. He actually gets a little bit more practical. These ones might really resonate with you. He says, rid yourself of anger, rage, malice. Malice is when you have the intention to harm. Like, I'm going to get back at them for what they did to me. Slander, it's like gossip when we destroy each other with our words. I think one of the most acceptable sins for Christian people is gossip. I think we love to destroy each other. We love to talk about each other behind the back, and then we, we talk about it how this is inappropriate, and we try to disguise it in biblical language. And Paul says, uh-uh, get rid of it. It's slander, it's gossip, it's terrible. And then he says, filthy language from your lips. If you're a Christian, this isn't just cussing. If you're not a Christian, this isn't just cussing. <laughs> like filthy language, anything that doesn't build up, but anything that tears down. Verse 9, he says, don't lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices. Like that idea, the words they use, get rid of, it literally can be translated, take it off. Like you remember when you're, maybe today it happened, your kids came home, or this week your husband or wife came home, boyfriend or girlfriend came to your house and they were wearing dirty shoes or dirty clothes. The kids came home, they were out playing or they were at school and you looked at them and you said, take those shoes off, don't trample all that on my carpet or on my floor, right? Take them off. I have outside clothes that I use when I mow the lawn and work outside and I actually will take them off in the garage so I don't bring them in the house because my wife doesn't want me to stink up the house like with grass smell or even with sweaty boy smell. I know that that probably is too much for you, but she doesn't want me to smell up the house, right? Like, don't come in my house like that. That's literally what Paul is saying is, hey, get rid of that. Like, take them off like you would take off shoes. Take them off like you would take off a dirty shirt. Like, take it off. Again, it's, it's personal. And the temptation with this is actually to be thinking about who else needs to hear this besides you. Maybe you're going to elbow somebody that you're watching this with, or you're going to tag them, or you're going to send this to, hey, watch this, please. Because when we hear things like this, we always think about the other person. But remember, we're not talking about finding the right person. We're talking about becoming the right person worth looking for and staying for. And this is for them, by the way. But Paul wants to start with you. And it's right about here maybe that you forget that this list isn't for you to check. Oh, I don't have rage. I don't have anger. Oh, I struggle with malice or slander, right? Like my filthy language, all of those things. Don't check the boxes because this isn't about you checking the boxes to see where you're good and see where you're not so good. Like this isn't about your condemnation. This is about God's transformation through Jesus Christ in you when you trust in him. This is about becoming, moving forward in a new direction. Remember, he's leading us somewhere to a principle that could change everything for us. And maybe Paul felt this, which is why I think he wrote this next word in verse 10. He said, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Like, notice where he goes here. Like he talks about who you are, like who God says that you are. Because when you know who you are, you're confident in what you do. Who you are influences the way that you go. When you know who you are, when you know your identity, when you know what God has said about you, it changes you, my friend. It changes everything that you do. No longer are you living in shame and in embarrassment, but you know that you are a child of God and that he sent Jesus for you, for everyone. 
And, and Paul says, uh, let me just remind you of who you are. This is how you actually start preparing and building to become the person worth looking for and staying for. This is how you actually find yourself in healthy and holy relationships because you are choosing to be healthy and holy. And again, this is for everyone. His next word is this. There is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. His point here is to list all of the ways that we try to identify ourselves. And he says all of those things are unique and all those things are good. But it's God who actually gives you your best identity. It's God who actually helps you to understand who you actually are because he made you. He designed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he gets to the the good list. So we're done with like the, the bad list. He gets to the good list. The, thing, the things that you got to get rid of, he stops. And then he starts with the things that you should, you should put on. But remember, don't check the boxes. Don't make this the list of things that you're going to do because Paul is taking us somewhere. He's wanting us to understand this principle that he's getting to by teasing this out. So in verse 12, he says, therefore, again, in light of everything we've talked about and listen to his words, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved. Can I call time out real quick? Here's why you're doing this. Here's why you're becoming. Here's why you're becoming the person worth looking for and staying for. Here's why you're moving in a new direction. Because Jesus has come and died and resurrected. You've trusted in him. And as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, the most natural, obvious response is that you would clothe yourselves. So remember, Get rid of those shoes. Get rid of that anger and malice. Now he's saying, now, now put on like, hey, put on this shirt. Like this is a, this is a new fashion show. For those of you that love fashion, th this is good for you. Like for those of you that look really good, you just know what to wear. The hat fits. You're good at that. This is good for you. I need help in here because I am not well to do with fashion. I'm not the fashionista. I, I have a great wife and I have great kids. I've actually shown my wife and my oldest daughter, like this shirt, these pants, they go together, right? Like I even said to my wife, does this shirt look all right for filming? Does this look okay for the podcast? Like I, I have a staff at Active that are great at fashion. And sometimes they'll be like, hey, Mike, wear this shirt or these pants or, and I just follow along because I'm terrible at it. Well, Paul knows that a lot of us are terrible. We're, we're good at like condemning ourselves, but we're terrible at actually knowing what new direction we should choose. So he says, let's talk about what you should put on. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Compassion is unoffendable. Like when they do the most offensive thing, Instead of you going, I can't believe, compassion goes, I don't understand. And so I'm going to see them, I'm going to hear them, and I'm going to work to understand. Doesn't our world need compassion? Because don't we get offended at everything? And the reason why we get offended at everything is because we don't understand much. And if we don't understand, that's a us problem, not a them problem. Compassion says, what do I need to know that I don't know about you? Because most of the behaviors that we see in people are because of how they've been mistreated or because of the trauma they've been through or because of some brokenness in them. Compassion, being kind and humble. Listen, you're never gonna be not selfish because we have this tendency to prioritize our way and we have to fight against that. But you can think of yourself less. And that's what he's inviting us to do. Being gentle and patient, that's all the things that we love about God, right? And it's all the things we love about the people that we would long to date or long to be engaged with or long to marry. We love when people are gentle and patient. Then he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive us the Lord 
forgave you. The idea is that what Jesus has accomplished for you, you now can extend to others. John Newton wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John, actually, after reading these words of Paul, he he said this, the Lord loves them and bears with them. Therefore, you must not despise them or treat them harshly. Doesn't mean that you can't have boundaries. It doesn't mean that you have to just forget everything that happened. It means that you are going to look at them the way that God looks at them. And then he says, the Lord bears with you likewise and expects that you should show tenderness to others from a sense of forgiveness that you need for yourself. The idea is I'm going to do what Jesus has done for me. Forgiveness isn't you going, "Ah, it's okay. Whatever happened, it's okay. It's gone. Forgiveness is you saying, I'm just not going to allow what you've done to me in the past to influence my present and my future. Forgiveness says, God's got to do something with you because I can't do anything with you. So I'm going to trust you to God and I'm going to have a healthy boundary It's not going to excuse me not to love, but it's actually going to excuse me to not have to be near you because you've lost trust. That's okay. But what John is writing here and what Paul actually is writing and what Jesus would want us to know is that we are going to be for others what he has done for us. And then another great reminder from Jesus, verse 14, over all these virtues put on love because it is the thing that drives everything which binds all of this together in perfect unity. Next week, we're actually going to talk about love in detail. It's not just getting along. But here's the one thing that I want you to know. I want you to hear these words today. Love is the mark of true maturity in relationship. Love is the mark of true maturity in relationship. The love of Jesus overflowing from you is the mark of true maturity in relationship. Not biblical knowledge, not personal experience, not age, love is the mark of true maturity in relationship. And then Paul takes a moment where he refreshes us of everything that he just talked about. And then he gets to the principle. Everything he talked about was leading to this. He wanted you to understand this in practical everyday language. And then he's leading to the principle, the thing, right? This is the culmination. This is the end of the movie. This is the reveal, right? You ready for this? Colossians chapter three, verse 17, he says, in everything that I'm talking about, here's the principle to help you become the person worth looking for and staying for. Ready? Here it is. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, whether in your words or in your actions, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The idea? is that you and I, when we trust in Jesus, when we choose to follow Jesus, we are carrying the family name. We are carrying the name of Jesus wherever we go. And what we do or what we say is a reflection and represents Jesus. In our relationships, our friendships, in our actions, in our words, whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we've talked about, here it is summed up in one simple statement. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You ever have your parents or your family tell you, hey, this is your last name, carry it well. I've had my family over the years like, Mike, you're a Frisch. That's my last name. You're a Frisch. 
So represent the Frisch as well. I live in a town where a lot of people know my family and know my last name. In fact, my friend Ryan from Active actually sent me a message the other day, was in the upper part of town. He saw a bunch of buildings that had my last name on it. So he said, is this yours or is this your family? And I responded, yeah, it's my mom and dad's places of business. See, everywhere I go in this town, I'm either Jim's son or I'm Kathy's boy or I'm David and John's brother. I was at In-N-Out just recently with my friend Craig, we were eating lunch and I laughed. And a few minutes later, two officers came up and they asked me if I was Jeff's brother. He's an officer. My brother Dave is an officer. And I said, I, I, I am, how, how would you know that? And they said, we heard you laugh and it sounded like your brother. <laughs> everywhere I go, people know that I'm a Frisch. I, and I wanna carry my name well. I wanna represent my wife and my kids well. It even influences how I behave here and everywhere because of you, because of our church, because of Active. Like I wanna carry the name of Active well. I wanna tell a better story because I belong to you. I belong to this church. I belong to the kingdom of God. And I've said to our team here at Active, to our staff, I've said, my, my commitment to you is that I will never do something that would cause you to have to stand in front of the people that we have loved and served and explain my actions and say, yeah, Mike really messed up here. My commitment is always to carry the name of Active well, because I want to tell a better story. And this is what Paul is inviting you and me to understand, to do. That we carry the name of Jesus. We carry it in us, we carry it with us, we carry it in our actions and in our words, we carry it into relationship. Like what you say and what you do, if you are a follower of Jesus, actually represents Jesus to them. What, a, what an honor that God would allow you and I to carry his name. Messy, terrible, sinful, needing forgiveness and freedom, Mike Frisch, gets to carry the name of Jesus. And so do you. So what are we gonna do with that? How are we gonna use that? How are we gonna represent Jesus in that? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. God trusted us with his name. And listen, trust is the currency of relationship. And because God trusted us with his name, when we enter into relationship, he is continuing to trust us with his name and guess what? With them as well, with their name as well. We have the privilege of having all the feelings and emotions and all of that person in our hands and in our hearts. And that's why Paul and ultimately Jesus invite us that when we get into relationship, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that even before we're in relationship because what we will do before will influence what we do in relationship. Are you with me? So whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love is Jesus has loved us. This is how you become a person worth looking for and staying for. Now I wanna help. I wanna help you process this, because it's a lot, right? It's a lot. So I wanna help you process this by asking you a question. And the question is this. What is my current relationship reputation? Don't answer yet. And then ask this question. Really? 
What is my current relationship reputation? Really? Now you might come up with all sorts of thoughts and all sorts of feelings and you might process some moments, but I don't want you to do this by yourself. In fact, I want you to ask the person that you're in relationship with that question. And if you're not in a relationship, I want you to ask your parents or I want you to ask your kids or I want you to ask those that you love and that you trust. I want you to ask those in your world this question. What is my current relationship reputation really? And then I want you to listen, not defend, deflect or dismiss or deny. And by the way, if you're asked this question, if you're on the other end and they ask you, hey, what's my current relationship reputation? What you don't need to do, what you shouldn't do, my encouragement is not to go, oh, I've been waiting and here it is. And you vomit everything out. Oh, there's this and this and this and that and this and that and this. This is not about condemnation. This is about their transformation. They are willing to open themselves up to hear from you. So use this moment wisely. Whatever you do in this moment, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Use this moment wisely and tell them, here's what I see, here's what I feel, and then let them, let them marinate on that for a moment. And if you are someone who asks that question and then they respond, I wanna give you three things to do. First thing is confess it. Take it to God and ask for forgiveness. God, would you forgive me for the way that I have behaved in relationship? and then repent of it. And the way that you repent of it is by looking at that person that shared it with you and asking for their forgiveness. Would you please forgive me for that? I'm so sorry. And then tell a better story from it. Come up with a plan so that you aren't in this situation again, but that you are prioritizing the way of the kingdom of God. You're asking the question, what is it that I can do in word or in deed that actually carries the name of Jesus well? So the question is, what is your current relationship reputation, really? Listen, don't deny, dismiss, don't push it aside, don't defend. Listen to them, let it soak, let it marinate. Then confess it, God, I'm sorry. Repent of it, would you please forgive me? And then come up with a plan to tell a better story. If it's anger, maybe you need to come up with a plan of taking 30 minutes after you hear something that stirs you up. If it's rage, maybe you need to give them the keys so that they drive on the freeway and you don't. If it's slander, if it's gossip, maybe you need to let that person who begins to say, hey, did you hear about them? You go, ah, you know what, they're not here and, and so I, I, can't, I don't do well in these situations. Whatever it might be, come up with a plan because that plan will help you to become the person worth looking for and staying for. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me pray for you. So Heavenly Father, these, these lists can be overwhelming, personal, they can be hard, they can be heavy, they can call us into something more, or they can stir up emotion that makes us feel very condemned. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would know who we are because of who you said that we are. And I pray that we would know that we're loved because you said that we're loved. And I pray that we would know we're forgiven and set free because Jesus died and rose again. I pray that today would be the first day that we can actually move in the direction of whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray that as we ask the question, what's my current relationship reputation, that the people that share it with us would be honest, but gentle, 
would be genuine, but thoughtful. And I pray that we would receive it, confess it, repent of it, tell a better story from it. Because we can. Because Jesus has allowed us, has opened up this opportunity. Because Jesus has died and that Jesus has resurrected. He has brought us life. So may we live the life of Jesus and become the person worth looking for and staying for. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to at Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.